This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Hello and welcome to Primal Screen, a Triple R film criticism show and podcast all about the uh, something about the, the things you screen on stream on screens. I don't know. They've changed it since I left, Eloise. You know, it's been hectic. It's been a big year. Uh, 2022's been massive. Um, so we're here uh, to, uh, to almost say all but goodbye for the year on <laughs> Primal Screen's penultimate show of 2022. Welcome. Listeners, to the annual countdown of Primal Screen's favourite films and for the first time ever, favourite TV shows of 2022. For this very special occasion, I am your host, Paul Anthony Nelson. And is there a doctor in the house? I don't hear you ask. Well, tonight we have two. Joining me in the studio to count down this show's best of the best of 2022 is Dr. Eloise Ross. Hey, Paul. I feel like you were a bit of a resistor to bringing TV onto the show, but you've been overruled somewhat or you've caved in. There's just so much going around. It's, it's, well, the show has changed, hasn't it, since I left. Like, we're, we're reviewing TV shows now, so it's like I can't deny it any mm. longer. I, I tried to shut it out as best I could, but it, it invaded. But that's fine. I, you know, I, there were five I liked. <laughs> and joining me via, joining us rather, via the magic of Zoom from Radelaide Central is Dr. Stuart Richards. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited TV is included this year because there's been some great TV this year. This is true. There has. Uh, I knew you'd be particularly happy with it, Stewie. Um, so I see. Um, so you're both well tonight. I see you've dressed in your finest gala evening wear for this uh, annual <laughs> annual event. Uh, the bow ties and the evening gowns are out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely yep. uh, wearing a top hat. <laughs> I love the, the top hat and tails. It's a particularly inspired look. So after a year in which this show reviewed 51 feature films past and present, nine television series and countless festival offerings, the time has come for the Primal Screen team to come together by secret ballot, guarded by PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, (laughs) and and walked here by two burly men in suitcases, to decide their collective top ten new release films and TV shows of 2022. Now, we polled five of our most frequent guest hosts, um, so we've got the top ten films and shows of, and in some cases top five shows, of Flick Ford, Will Cox, Vishnavi, Vijakuma, my two esteemed co-hosts tonight, Eloise and Stewie, as well as my own. Um, because, so I've got some skin in the game, even though I've barely <laughs> been on the show this year. Um, so the results have all been collated, tallied up, and weighted according to individual rankings and combined into one beautiful ranked Voltron of 2022 top uh, a top 10 and top 7 lists to rival Cahir to cinema, we think. So if you have any thoughts or feelings about our show's top 10 lists or any movies or shows you thought we did dirty, please feel free to hit us up on our social media channels and leave a comment. Just search for Primal Screen on Facebook, Insta and Twitter. So it's a big show. We have 10 films and, and 7 shows and some uh, honourable mentions to chat about. So let's dig in, shall we? Let's go. So... As I love to do every year, um, yes, I did uh, take a, a poll of our five most frequent co-hosts. Um, and so the, uh, what I tend to do is get everyone's list and then, yeah, combine them, as I said before, into a Voltron-style collective 
top list. So I'm always really happy when we get a clean top ten, and we and for films this year we did. We got a beautiful like some some years it's the votes have shaken out to a top thirteen, or top <laughs> twelve or set. No. So we've got a top ten films. However, for shows, only seven shows got multiple votes. So, wow. So I had to end it in a, in, a, in a top seven. So some quick stats and a few films and shows that were unlucky to miss out. So we of the six, we, we had six top ten movie lists from our six judges, <laughs> whereas TV counts were more split. We had two top tens and four top fives. So I think oh. Stewie and Vishnavi were the only ones that gave me top ten uh, TV shows. Um, so uh, we had sixty movies, um, and and uh, so yeah, thirty nine films and twenty eight shows were voted in. Only five films got votes from multiple ballots, but didn't make the top ten. The two that came the closest, finishing in eleventh and twelfth, you'll be disappointed to hear, Stewie, because they were two of your top ten. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Were Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inishira, also picked by Flick, and Andrew Arndt's Straight to Hulu and Disney Plus gay rom-com Fire Island, which was also picked by Vishnavi. Well, I expected Fire Island to not get any votes other than me, so I'm happy someone else picked it. A good gay film. That's nice. Is of of the uh, the twenty twenty two Much Bellyhood gay rom-coms, which is better, this or Bros? Oh, definitely Fire Island. Definitely Fire Island. Um, I really, I mean, I could have a whole episode on this, but I really didn't like the pressure that was put on in the marketing campaign of um, of Bros. I thought it was really problematic. You know, the, the, a film about two masculine white gay guys being really, really important, um, which it is, but also um, people shouldn't be forced to go see it. It's just a yeah. It's just a fun movie, and like any, it happens to so many films like this, uh, particularly with things becoming you know films and media becoming more diverse. That anything that's kind of perceived to be the first, or at least an early, you know, a, a, a more prominent example, has the weight of the world on top of it. Like this has to yeah. hit because this is the one, you know. And it's like it's really unfair. But just quickly, Fire Island is a really joyous. Um, film about what it means to be gay and Asian and feminine as well, um, and it's all about class. So it's, I think it's a really interesting rom-com. And the rom-com genre often gets overlooked. Um, but when it's done well, it hits perfectly. That's true. Nice. I, all right, I need to catch that. Um, the other three to get two votes each but miss the top ten were, in a weird stat, picked by three different sets of co-hosts. So, Eloise, you and I... Mm. Picked the, big, the biggest film of the year, Joseph Kaczynski's Top Gun Maverick. <gasps> yeah. We should do like a high five that connects twice, like oh, at the top and the bottom, just to celebrate. So good. <laughs> it belongs on every list. It so does. It's, I love that it's basically Mission Impossible 6.5. I was so surprised by it and I really, really adored it because I only saw – this is a bit of a um, exposure, but I only saw Top Gun, the original, earlier this year. I watched it when, you know, this was coming out and I was planning to to get involved. And it's so dull and boring. (laughs) And they just go way OTT on the power ballads and it's not very good. And, I mean, Tom Cruise smiles a lot, which is really nice. But as a film, it didn't do anything for me. But Top Gun Maverick, way up there. 
Yeah. I think the magic words are co-screenwriter Christopher McQuarrie. It's that (laughs) – the way it kind of refers back but then to, you know, calls back the original film in really interesting ways, has a beautiful scene with Val Kilmer, but then it basically turns into a full-on Mission Impossible film in the last third where him and Miles Teller have to do their thing and it's superb. I love it so much. Uh, Stewie, you and Flick featured Sebastian Lelio's intriguing Florence Pugh starring Netflix original The Wonder – I thought Flick would include The Wonder. It's great. Yeah. Florence Pugh is wonderful in it. Is it? It looks sort of supernaturally, is it? Or not? Or is it implied? Like, uh, it's implied. It's a bit of a folk horror film. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's, the aesthetics of it are like a folk horror film where you think it's going to go belly up and there's going to be ghosts. And, um, and I think that's part of the whole experience of it. Yeah. Um, that kind of fantastic kind of space where you're not sure if it is or isn't um supernatural yeah i the trailer gave huge folk horror vibes and as Mm. someone who did a halloween show on folk horror (laughs) in this show this year i really need to see this film and whereas vice and will included the bonkers new film from the patron saint of primal screen peter strickland flux gourmet in their (gasps) top tens oh Mm. i considered it i I liked it a lot. That dis- it disappointed me, I have to say. So I wasn't – the last couple of spots on my top ten, I wasn't really sure what to put and I could have very easily put Flux Gourmet. But since it didn't do everything that I wanted it to do and I think focused on oh, – I can't even remember because I watched – it is kind of bonkers and carries you away with it anyway. But maybe like it focused on the wrong things or oh, – but Gwendolyn Christie is so good. She's so great. She's so – And her outfits. Perfect in – oh, yeah, that's right. And the sound design. I did like it a lot and I am a big fan of Peter Strickland. I'm like you. I dug it a lot but it wasn't up to In Fabric Duke of Burgundy standard for me. Yeah. It felt yeah. just short. Yeah, but do you know what's really cool? And actually I went through it trying to find a screenshot um, but I couldn't again after I'd watched it for the first time. I have a bowl – that is the same bowl as one of them that they cooked in in one of their performance art pieces that I inherited from my grandmother. So I feel, and I've seen it in op shops or possibly a vintage antique store. I feel like it might be worth quite a bit. Yeah, it's, just like, it's the one from Flux Gourmet, the one the stuff was in. Um, without spoilers. Every year it seems that one person goes rogue with a number one film of the year that did not appear on anyone else's list, and this year was no exception. As Vishnavi's top film of 2022, Helena Rain's A24 horror comedy Bodies, Bodies, Bodies did not make anyone else's list, but was her number one. Go Vi. Wait, go Vi. So have either of you seen that? I haven't seen it, no. I haven't either. Not yet. I mean, I, I suspect it, that's probably a film a bit like Banshee's of Inner Sharon that – um, in a few months, when we've caught up and watched everything, they probably would be in everyone's top ten. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No, I'm keen. So, um, also films that were that appeared very high on personal lists that appeared on no one else's. Claire Denise stars at noon was Flick's number two. Uh, Apa Chapong Wurasithical's uh, Memoria was Will's number three. Mm. Red Sean Baker's Red Rocket was my number two. It didn't appear on anyone else's list. Um, so. The TV list was a bit different. Um, Only seven shows, as I said, got multiple votes this year. Lots of personal top threes did not appear on anyone else's list, including Stewie, your number two show of the year, Station Eleven. Oh, everyone has to see that. It is a work of art. It is so good. Some of the final episodes 
Like when you finish watching something and the episode ends, you just got to kind of sit there in silence for a few minutes, just kind of taking it all in. It is such a good series about, I mean, obviously it's about a pandemic, so it probably a bit hits too close to home for some people, but, you know, it's all about, you know, what it means to be human and the importance of art and kind of storytelling being central to that. Um, So, yeah. Yellow, uh, yellow jackets. Uh, sorry, Station Eleven is great. Yes. Um, also, uh, uh, Vaish had uh, Wednesday. Tim Burton's uh, Adam's Family reboot in her as her number two show of the year. I didn't realize that was Tim Burton doing that. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. And Goff and Miller, the guys that wrote, um, created Smallville or whatever. It's their show as well. For me, my number two of the show of the year was James Gunn's Peacemaker, which I adored. Uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, didn't make anyone else's list. Um, your third fave, Dead to Me, mm-hmm. did not make anyone else's oh, list. Oh, I knew it. I'm basically the sole um, supporter of that show, still going strong after so many years. I will recommend it to anyone um, and everyone, basically. And for me, uh, a show that I don't feel like many people saw, which is uh, the multi-genre comic murder mystery, The After Party. Which- mm-hmm. Which, it's on my to-watch list. Which it was, looks- it's so much fun. It's, yeah, there's a musical episode with Ben Schwartz, which is one of my favourite things of the year. Um, it, what streaming platform is that on? Apple TV Plus. Okay. That's yeah. quite a recommendation, Paul. I might have to give it a go. As I confess to you, I have not watched enough TV. There is too much going on and my list was <laughs> a bit of a scramble to put together. Um <laughs> So, anyway, The After Party. I'll yeah, The After Party. Look, it's eight episodes, about 45 minutes an app. Get into it. Um, two more things before I uh, start counting off. Um, Vaish had the most different and markedly diverse list from the rest of us. Um, she was the only one to pick uh, the latest seasons of Mindy Kaling's teen show, Never Have I Ever, Netflix's Heartbreak High reboot, Immigrant Experience Comedies Mo and Rami, and Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel, a YA-style show that also explores the American immigrant experience, uh, all made her top ten list. To no one's surprise at all, Stewie had the queerest list. <laughs> Represent with Taika Waititi's pirate comedy-turned-love story, Our Flag Means Death, Brian Fuller's Queer for Fear, the history of queer horror documentary series for Shudder, Swoony Netflix teen drama Heartstopper, and The Good Fight, need I say more, all making his top ten. Um, and you, Eloise, had the second season of Kitty Flanagan's Fisk on your list as well, whereas I had the not quite as good as the first but still great second season of Only Murders in the Building. And uh, one of my big surprises of the year, and it was our COVID show, it was the show we watched when we had the week we had COVID, which was Netflix's cancelled too soon horror mindbender Archive 81 on my list. Wow. So that's the also brands. <laughs> so shall we... Uh, six minutes behind schedule. Unleash the hounds for the top of the top. All right. So Primal Screen's top seven shows of 2022, as voted by five of our most frequent co-hosts and me, are pick seven. Was voted in by you two. So good job. We've got you here to chat about it. Stewie's number nine. Eloise's number four. Overall number seven. The long-awaited return after three years of the smoky voice of Natasha Leone in the second season of Russian Doll. Wow. Wow. 
the only one, but I'm really happy someone else loved it. I um, believe that I've already talked about Russian Doll season two on this very show, I think with Anders a couple of months ago. So I don't really know if I should repeat myself too much, but um, what an excellent show. I'm glad it made the cut. Yeah. just I just love shows that really try to go there with like wacky concepts and, and like just, yeah, really mind-bending narratives. Yeah, I loved it. You know, there's – in terms of some shows go on too long and this whole I, this whole shift in TV where you don't have a pilot anymore and instead it's just kind of like a drop of seven episodes where sometimes they go on too long um, don't really work. But with this, I got the sense that there was so much going on that I really wanted more. I wanted more episodes. You know, Natasha Leon was trying to do way, 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 way too much and it just didn't – seem fair that she didn't get the time or the space to do it. So I wanted so much more or one less storyline or something in there. Um, but still the execution and the music choices and the, you know, the editing and everything took me along with it anyway. So it didn't really matter in the end. Mm. So our number six show of 2022 made the top fives of Flick and You Against, Dewey. And it's a show that I've heard nothing but brilliant things about, which is certainly makes it unique among all recent works that fall under the Star Wars umbrella. I am talking about Tony Gilroy's Andor. Wow. Yeah, Andor is great. I am not a huge Star Wars fan. I'll see them, but I won't really dwell on them or think about the connections. But Andor is such a fascinating series that, doesn't even need to be part of the Star Wars universe. It is just a story about resistance and this kind of brutal imperial force, um, which obviously has analogies to political history and um, just kind of the complexity of it and the development of the narrative towards the end. It's just the final few episodes are just bang, bang, bang. And the score is incredible. Um, so even if you're not a Star Wars fan, I do recommend just kind of delving into it and, and enjoying it. I, I hit big Star Wars fatigue um, basically when the prequels happened, and it's just been nothing but Star Wars churn ever since. Um, and But this has been – I'm so intrigued because, of course, Tony Gilroy wrote the Bourne trilogy, which is a bit of a favourite of mine. Um, but I, I hear this has got a lot of anti, anti-fascist ACAB energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, going it, it, on. It, it, it really, really does, which is why, like, I don't think it needs to be part of the Star Wars universe. Obviously, there are characters which carry over to the, um, you know, the main films, but um, overall, it's, it, it's yeah, it's just a really good political series. Can I, I don't know if I'm derailing your countdown, sorry, mm-hmm. Paul, but is why is it a Star Wars show then? I mean, there's a lot of kind of problems with great films, great characters being not poached so much, but like misused in kind of, you know, legacy series or whatever. Um, why does this have to be, why do you think Tony Gilroy made a Star Wars show instead of just a great ACAB show? A um, Good question. I, I, I mean, it's a prequel to the Rogue One film. Right. Um, and, um, and I think it takes a lot of these really iconic figures like the Stormtrooper and, um, and the Imperial force um, and really kind of explores the, you know, the political context of it and really kind of goes there rather than just kind of hinting 
um, at, you know, fascism, it really just drives it home. And the the cast is great. So Diego Luna, Fiona Shaw is in it. Um, uh, yeah, great series. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I like that idea though. I like that if if I if we have to mine strip mine IP for every mm. damn part in order to get anything made these days, somebody exploring something interesting mm. with it is 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 kind of the dream. If you know if you have to operate under those, the best way to do it for mm. sure. Now, Primal Screen's number five show of 2022 is the first show in this countdown. None of us three voted for. Who knows oh. if we've even seen it, but. It's Will, Will Cox's favourite show of the year and in, and in Flick's top five. And it certainly looks like a comedy experiment to behold as its lead goes to insane lengths to help people prepare for the most difficult of situations. <laughs> it's Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal. Um, have either of you gotten around to this? No. I have. Yeah. Oh, you I have. have. I've seen two episodes. Um, I mean, it's, it is nuts. Like, it, it is It's really odd. It's bonkers. Um and I, I just one of those shows that, like, I respect how good it is, but I just never got invested and wanted to continue. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting series. Yeah, I, I the trailer was very intriguing, um, and mm. I have friends close to me um, that tell me to get into it. Um, so, Primal Screen's top four show of 2022 was highly rated by Stewie and Vaish, and came very close to my own top five. It was my number six, looking at female friendship, rivalry, and aging via a horror-flecked lens of what would happen if Lost met Lord of the Flies with an all-girls hockey team with a cast that's a Gen X's dream, it is, of course, Yellow Jackets. What a cast. Christina Ricci, Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, just... uh, It's so good. Those three rule. Like, like the plot is interesting. And that was my only thing. There's, There's some... Twists and stuff that didn't compl- some didn't completely work for me, but the yeah. atmosphere of it and following those three actors, yeah. um, and also um, an Australian actress, Liv Hewson, as the, yeah. the the poor girl that just keeps getting attacked over and over and over again on the island. She's terrific as well. Um, yeah. yeah, this uh, this was a pretty cool show. I'm cautiously optimistic for season two. Mm. Melanie Linsky is such a great comedic actress. Oh, great um, everything. Yeah, like, yeah, everything great. is great, but I, I th- she doesn't get enough dues, I think. She's, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, all right, our number three show of 2022 is not only the first show on the list to be voted by three of our six hosts, but it's my personal favourite show of the year, made Will's top five and snuck into Vice's top ten. This is, I, I just thought this was perfect. A high-octane family workplace drama that's also a testament to creativity, teamwork, and the plans we make, and God laughs at. Yes, chef, indeed, it's the bear. (laughs) For me, this show is great TV distilled. Like, this is a diamond of a television show. I... I've not been blown, and and I'm I'm fairly allergic to hype when it comes to television shows. And there's so many, because obviously there's so many shows out there that people tell you you must watch this, you must see this, and I'm most of the time I'm fairly resistant to that. And I thought I'll I'll try this one out. It's half hour episode, so it's an easy kind. Of, you know, it's it's a it's a nice little carrot stick thing there. We blasted through it. This it's just it, it's like. The first show I've seen in many, many years that I've wanted to take offline and dissect, and it's like, okay, 
what point do they introduce this? What point do they introduce that? How is this? I just wanted to take it apart and learn how it worked because it was just so note perfect in its character work, its construction, the way it delved information. Um, the performances are uniformly brilliant. It has some of the best guest turns of the year. I mean, you know, Oliver Platt, John Bernthal, um, uh, Joel McHale pops up in one scene as the most heinous of asshole New York chefs. This guy's work. Like, it's just, it's absolute genius. I love the bear so much. Um, have either of you seen this? No, not yet. Eight no. half hour episodes, literally four hours. Like you could knock it over in a night. It's a little hectic to probably watch all in one sitting, maybe two, two, two hour uh, nights. It's all right. I like holding my breath for many hours. Oh boy. So, you know. The second last episode is mostly done in one shot and involves um, everything. Just when they think they've got everything set, everything begins breaking down and oh my God. <laughs> so coming into Primal Screen's collective top two shows of the year, I have to point out three things. One, I've yet to see either of these shows. Two, they finished miles ahead of everything else. And three, number one was so much further ahead of number two, it was ridiculous. Wow. So Primal Screen. I feel like I know what it is. Primal Screen's number two show of 2022 was Will and Flick's favourite, second favourite show of the year and your favourite, Eloise. <gasps> My favourite. Keeping your work, woke, keeping your work <laughs> home life separate has never been as dystopian as it is for Adam Scott and company in, in Dan Erickson and Ben Stiller's sci-fi comedy thriller Severance. And although she didn't submit a list, I know this was a big one for Lisa Kovacevic as well, so it absolutely earns our pl- its place as our show's second favourite series of the year. Oh, my goodness. It's just so clever and so original and so does such unexpected things the characters are, are amazing and because if you know the premise everyone who is in their workplace forgets their real life personality and vice versa the characters and the actors have to be really really good and they're so good and the score was incredible and the camera movement I I can't even express it but basically I think I just binged it in like a couple of days it's too stressful to watch. I know I just said that I love stress, but it's too stressful. And the episodes are like 55 minutes long or something, so you can't quite go too much. But um, it was really clever and it stayed ahead of the spectator. Having said that, I think I did, in fact, guess what the ending was going to be, but that didn't make it any less exciting or satisfying. Okay. So I can't wait. And the cast you're talking about is madness. Like it's Adam Scott and Patricia Arquette and John Turturro and Christopher Walken and yeah, and I I can't remember the name of the actress who plays. Sorry, Stuart, did you vote for this? Who plays Hallie? But no, she didn't. No, didn't. Oh, okay. But I've she, seen the first episode, but yeah. And it didn't grip you. Well, my trial subscription to Apple uh, TV. No. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I just like I just can't afford any more TV, uh, subscriptions. Fair enough. It's very strange, but it is worth you know if you can get another subscription somehow, just for a little bit. You know, yeah. it's very much worth um, worth your time, or maybe when the second season comes to be. But yeah, yeah it's just I don't know. I I think it was so so good and i really want to watch it again yeah i'm dying to get into this it's one of our priorities for the start of next year Mm -hmm. so now we're here 
Primal Screen's number one TV show of 2022 was, as I've mentioned a couple of times now, so far ahead of every other show on this list. It's embarrassing. It was on five of the six lists. I only missed mine because I haven't seen it. It was in Wilcox's top five. It was Eloise's number two. And the top show of 2022 for Flick, Vaish, Stewie, and now Primal Screen. It is, of course, the second season of Mike White's The White Lotus. <laughs> I just want to say that the only reason I didn't put it as my number one is because I hadn't yet seen the finale, but now I have. So I can't talk for too long because I might um, make a slip <laughs> and give everything away. So, Stewie, I'll let you take this one. Well, I haven't seen the final episode yet. Um, the moment this episode ends, I'm going to be watching it with my partner. Um, but the reason why I still put it as number one was because it's been quite some time since I've had that, you know, weekly yearning for the next episode to drop where you know, between each episode there are so many memes and gifs and just theories spouting about what's happening that... It's just been this real communal kind of fanning over this storyline and these multiple storylines and what's going to happen and who's going to die and um, that it was just so enjoyable. Uh, and, you know, I hope it's a big finish. I'm not looking at Eloise just in case. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, the, and the music, like the, the opening theme song has, is just so iconic now. Uh, that, yeah, for me, it was clearly number one. And it's it better, like, is it better or level with season one? It's difficult to really comment on that. I mean, and not because I've seen the final episode at all, but just, I mean, Mike White kind of follows the same template um, and has very different characters, although Jennifer Coolidge returns famously. Um, So he follows the same template and he knows he's gotten something right. So he's clearly aware that he has made this great thing, which is why um, certain things occur kind of in a similar way. I don't know. I feel like the first season is still better just because it was the first one that really gripped me. Um, Mm. I'm I'm really enjoying this second season more, surprisingly. Um, I wasn't sold at first, but I think the more you get the character dynamics between them all, um, yeah, I really, I mean, Aubrey Plaza is so good in this. <laughs> she's great. And I always knew she's great, but this one, you know, when you have a great performer and they get that role that is just so perfect for them and you, they really get to shine, mm. um, that, that's Aubrey Plaza. I feel season. like the the winner uh, for me is Megan Faye, who yeah. I had not seen before at all and I kind of had to give her, like, Google her after the, the show. But she really has proven herself as a fantastic actor because when it started I was like, who's this blonde, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, and now she's astounding. You're a fan. Yeah. So congratulations to The White Lotus, Primal Screen's favourite TV show of 2022. On the other side, we will reveal the bottom half of our top 10 movies of 2022. 
So, if you've just tuned in, tonight we are counting down Primal Screen's top 10 best TV, well, top 7 best TV shows and top 10 movies of 2022. Um, before the track, we announced our collective top 7 shows, voted on by five of our show's most frequent co-hosts, Flick Ford, Will Cox, Vaishnavi Vijakumar, and tonight's co-pilots, Eloise and Stewie, and myself, because I'm hosting and I get to throw my two cents <laughs> in for my trouble. Those... Um, so those same fine folks um, have uh, voted for their top ten films, and through the magic of rankings, spreadsheets, and maths, here we go. Primal Screen's top ten, number ten movie of 2022 is almost the earliest film eligible and one of the first films we reviewed on the show this year, the feature writing a directing debut from actor Maggie Gyllenhaal, The Lost Daughter. Eloise, this was quite high on your list. What did you love about this adaptation of Elena Ferrante's best-selling novella? I loved how awkward it was um, and I loved how Olivia Coleman just lent into her awful character who maybe wasn't so awful and I'm being cruel but is certainly someone with a lot of um, dimension and a lot of feelings and a lot of conflicted um, kind of desires, I suppose. I don't know. I just – I love a film about a really awkward scenario and a character who is put in this really difficult situation or indeed puts herself in a really difficult situation yeah. um, and does some really shitty stuff. And she was so good and I felt like the direction was – I mean, it was a year ago that I saw it almost – um, but I feel like Maggie Gyllenhaal's direction was incredible and in weaving the – because there's a – you know, we follow Olivia Common and then we follow her when she's younger, played by Jessie Buckley. I feel like the um, intercutting of those two stories was really quite seamless and felt necessary to cut back and forward. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly – I mean, it's – the performances are incredible mm. in, in this movie. It's definitely a masterclass in in performance – so, Primal Screen's number nine film of 2022 was voted in by Flick and you, Stewie. Sarah Dose's census-shattering documentary about volcanologist couple Katia and Morris Kraft, Fire of Love. Now, I didn't see this one, but it looks like an experience. Could you tell us a little about what you loved about it? So, it is a documentary uh, that gets all this years and years and years and years of footage of these two volcanologists, these French volcanologists who, you know, you know, trek up to these active volcanoes and carry all of this filming equipment and then just film these, like, incredible shots over the years, and it has this like really beautiful um, kind of comedy about it all, just the way they perform for the camera, and and it's about you know volcanoes, but it's also about the love of these two scientists together, uh, and you know it's really poetic in parts as well. Um, it's narrated by Miranda July, who I also love, uh, at, but. I just like some of the footage that they get is really, really incredible. Like there's this one shot of one of them walking across this crater and then it just kind of zooms out and the other one has climbed up to the top just to get this shot. I mean, the the footage is incredible. Did you see Um, this in IMAX at MIF? I saw it on my TV at home. Brilliant. And it (laughs) had the same effect. (laughs) Yeah, and it had the same effect. It's um, yeah. If you ever, if it ever does screen again on the big screen, totally go see it. 
but um, on a big screen at home, it's also good. So Primal Screen's number eight film of 2022 was The Return of a Master. It was Eloise's number five film of the year and my personal number one. I managed to just get into number eight. This is a film I saw in Amsterdam and I could not have been more delighted. David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. What a film. I adore this film. Like, this is the film I've wanted Cronenberg to make for 20 years. I mean, hasn't he wanted to make it for yes, something like for that 20. long as well? <laughs> he wrote it 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's amazing how far he is ahead of the culture and the curve that he could basically pick up a script that he reportedly barely altered from 20 years ago and have it be so retro in certain ways but so applicable to our moment and where we're going in the way that our environmental destruction affects us all, how we made the things that we adapt to that are foisted upon us, the, the, the way we evolve and is it necessarily a bad thing. And just I, there's, so much, there's so much in this film. Like I could, I, if I had more notes with me, I could do an hour on this show, <laughs> like on this movie. I, I think it, it only goes for 106 minutes. It has so many more ideas and concepts than anything that the film's an hour, an hour and a half longer. You know, when I, this doesn't happen a lot, but when it happens, I know it's something special. Immediately upon, basically when it started, I think the first scene I was like, I could write a research paper on this. Yep. Like, And when it finished, I thought the same thing. And it's still there. It's in my brain. I had, it hasn't started yet. But there's so much in it. And he's so, he's got the Cronenberg weirdness and like creepiness. But also there's this underlayer of seriousness, which I think you're talking about, Paul, you know, connecting it to what we're going through right now and, you know, all of these things about what is the future like and what does it hold. There's just so much in there. Yeah, and then there's what it says about art, about art's place in society, about the what uh, – about uh, it's a satire of art culture. It's, it's like there's, there's so many moving parts, but it's also elegantly put together. And he's always been great at brevity, Cronenberg. Like Videodrome is a 90-minute movie. Like that blows my mind. But – also, um, yeah, and, and it leads to a last shot that is transcendent. Um, <laughs> also, one of the funniest performances of the year, Kristen Stewart in this movie is I, hilarious to me. I know what she was doing. I didn't like her. And I kind of think that, you know, that's the point. So she probably did exactly what she <laughs> was intending to do. <laughs> She's a fangirl. It's great. So Primal Screen's number seven film of, number 20, uh, of 2022 is another return of, the, of, a, of a master. A film that ended up on three of our six lists, Vishnavi's third favourite, Flick's fourth fave, and a number nine on your list, Eloise, the film that won the Best Director Prize at Cannes for Mr Park Chan-wook, Decision to Leave. You know, I didn't want to put it on my list, but I kind of didn't have enough other things. But it is, it's a really messy film, and I, I feel like this is probably, is, this is your opinion too, Paul. The yeah. first half is... Uh, not as good as the second. I mean, it basically is almost like two different films and there is a reason why they exist together and the first sets up the second part. But um, it just it's so strange to me that they are part of the same film because the first half is just... It's, it's much too long. It kind of drags. It's very strange. A lot of his experiments don't work, but then sometimes they do work and they pay off. And I was blown away by the ending and that was, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I wasn't sure what to put on my list and the ending just completely earned the film for me. 
incredible. I didn't care so much for the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, but I loved most of what was in between. But I think the real reason to see this is the lead performances. Mm. Tang Wei is incredible. I, think the, I always go for her. She's fantastic. Like both Lee, him and her are just um, brilliant and they are riveting. And, you know, like Park Chan-wook on half speed is his style. Like, yeah, like you said, not all of his tricks work in this in this one, but there's um, when it does, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. So Primal Screen's number six film of 2022, uh, rounding out the lower half of the top ten, was certainly one of the buzziest titles of the year. Some may say it's one of the definitive films of 2022. It certainly meant a lot to Flick, who put it at number three. But it meant more to Stewie for whom it was his favourite film of the year. Maybe there's a multiverse somewhere where it's our show's number one film, but tonight it must settle for number six in this multiverse. I'm talking about the amazing Michelle Yeoh in Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shine. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm sorry, was it only on two lists? Yep. That's outrageous. I'm shocked and appalled. Um, <laughs> that I mean, it's such a good film. It's just the editing, the performance taking such a bonkers idea and making it work. Um, yeah, and Michelle Yeoh is incredible. And just all of the different kind of filmic aesthetics that are, you know, smashed into that film. Um, yeah, I saw it twice and every second I was just riveted. Um, hilariously, when we first saw it, they had switched to the cinema without us knowing. Mm-hmm. And so we were in there and Tilda Swinton and Memoria started playing and we were about five minutes in until we realised, wrong film. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, everything everywhere all at once is great. I Yeah, I like this a lot. There were certain moments, that sections that worked more for me than others. The the whole Wonka Y sequence. And I, I really keyed into Jonathan, um, Jonathan Kihai Kwan's character. I loved mm. him. Loved yeah. him. Um, and, yeah. of course, Michelle Yeoh is phenomenal. So that's the back half of Primal Screen's top ten films of 2022. Uh, from ten to six, we're about to unveil our top five. So we're at the pointy end. Um, the brains trust of Primal Screen, Flick Ford, Will Cox, Stuart Richards, Eloise Ross, Vishnavi Wujakuma, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson, have voted. And here are the top Five. From here on in, every film appeared on three of our six hosts' lists, except for one that appeared in four. But that wasn't the number one movie. Without further ado. Number five is the earliest, the earliest eligible film on our list. One of the first reviewed on this show way back in January. Released Boxing Day last year, which is our cutoff. Yet it stuck in our minds so much that it turned up in three lists. It was Will Cox's top film of the year, and it was in Eloise and My Top Ten. A charming, mostly platonic love story of two youngsters in 1973 alongside Bradley Cooper playing the human embodiment of cocaine, (laughs) Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. What a nice film. I love this movie. Just had a very... I mean, you know, you mentioned the platonic relationship and there has been so much commentary on is it creepy, is it predatory, are they in love, blah, blah, blah. But I took it what it was, you know, someone has a crush... Someone else doesn't. He matures over time and they become great friends. And I just thought it was so lovely and wonderful. And, the, you know, the footage of L.A. and the strange episodic nature of it, which still had a flow, was really wonderful and very unique. 
It's a beautiful vibe of a movie. Like it's uh, the, yeah, that atmosphere and the episodic structure leads to that. Bradley Cooper might have been my funniest performance of the year. <laughs> I him and particularly the fact he's playing John Peters is hilarious. He was to me. very good, and you know, it <laughs> takes me a lot for me to be impressed by Bradley Cooper. <laughs> The two leads were wonderful, uh, particular, uh, particularly Alana Heim. Um, and I love that it's just one kid that can't go, can't get going fast enough and the other that's stuck in this inertia and they meet somewhere in the middle. I have a personal thing. I, didn't, I wish it didn't end the way it did with the last minute. I was literally, if you snip the last minute, this is three places higher for me. So the number four film of 2022 is the one that appeared on more lists than any other. Only Will and I didn't pick it. Uh, it was in Stewie, Vaish and Flick's top tens and only you had it in your top five. And it's the first of two films in this list to be directed by someone who appeared on this very show this year. <laughs> it's Thomas M. Wright's The Stranger. Uh, do I need to do the Billy Joel whistle? No? <laughs> no. What a film. What a great drama. Um, yeah, riveting, the editing, just the uneasiness. Um, yeah, and great performances. The performances were incredible and, I mean, obviously they were and Joel Edgerton is so, so good. I think I've seen him in about three films this year, not all made this year, um, but he was really, really impressive. The, I mean, just from the moment it started and I was expecting it to be dark and I was expecting it to kind of be an unpleasant watch knowing what Wright does um, but the way he kind of explores and exposes, I don't know, what masculine performance can do is really, really interesting. And a lot of filmmakers do that, but the way he does it and the way it was supported by this great cinematography and those moments where it was like a black screen and then just some figure on it. I don't know how he did that, but that was amazing. And also that, like, spontaneous dance sequence, Stewie. I love that one. I don't know. <laughs> but it was so yeah. good and uh, it, it belonged up there for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're down to the top three and our third and second place films actually finished equal on points. So say they're equal second. We're, uh, and they were both selected at number one on one of our host lists. So our first of our equal second films of 2022, the second film in a row to be directed by a primal screen guest, one of the best, for mine, one of the best film debuts of recent years, one of the more unlikely horror-adjacent films of the year, and the most unlikely Australian film of the year, given most of it was shot in Serbia. It's Goran Stalevsky's You Won't Be Alone. I pulled out my heart for this one. Um, Yeah, this was my number three film of the year, Flick's number one. I yeah this this film just I I I because I did the Q and A at MIF and I watched it on a on a screener to start off, but I also went to the cinema screening as well to watch it again because it just moved me so much and it's such it was such a gut punch like I did the the kind of thing you just sort of and it's ostensibly something about witches but it becomes this film about how to be human and 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 how how to feel and uh, it's it's. Obviously, I can't go too far into it because we're very strapped for time. But, yeah, You Won't Be Alone is such for, – for all of its horror trappings, it's one of the most singularly beautiful films of the year. And Numi Rapace does some wonderful work in this as well in her <laughs> short role. Did you see this? I didn't see it. He had two films at the festival. I didn't see either. No, I didn't is, see the other one You either, know, my loss, age. but mm. – 
Now, Primal Screen's other equal second film of 2022 is the latest masterwork in a career increasingly full of them from a filmmaker who just seems to get better with age, who has selected a number six on Will Cox's list, number four on mine, and Eloise, you'll be delighted to know, number one on yours. Mm. It's the great Pedro Almodovar's Parallel Mothers. I was floored by this film and it was, I keep saying this, a really long time ago that I saw it, but I was going over my list and I did originally have Stars at Noon as my number one and then I thought I gave Parallel Mothers five stars. I was that just immediately taken with it. Such clever storytelling, such amazing design as well. I mean, you come to expect that from Almodovar's films, but the way that he does it with these two women... Um, it's a comedy, but it's so heartfelt and incredible. I loved it so much. It had to be number one. Yeah, uh, it's it's nah, it's it's so beautiful, and do, does that great thing you expect from Almodovar, where he Almodovar, where he starts in distaff places, and you wonder how is this thing connected to this thing, and then he weaves it together so elegantly, and and the way the specter of Franco and the 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 Spanish War kind of hangs over the whole thing as well of this relation. Oh, it's just beautiful. So now we've come to the top spot. This is a film that uniquely was selected at number two on all three lists it made. It was not number one on anyone's list, but three number twos. Flex, Wills, and yours, Stewie. This is a film I missed at Miff, but I saved myself uh, saved myself as a Boxing Day treat. Uh, the most powerful single force in the world today is man's eternal desire to be free and independent, Kennedy. Okay. Freedom in capitalist society always remains about the same as it was in ancient Greece. Freedom for slave owners. I know. Vladimir Lenin. School. Ah. <laughs> Russian capitalist and an American <laughs> communist. Oh. On a $250 million luxury yacht. The latest in Ruben Ustlin's line of deliciously excruciating palm door winning social satires, Triangle of Sadness. I so good. can't wait for this. <laughs> this was my number one all like months leading up to, you know, sending in the top 10. At the very last second, I switched it with everything everywhere all at once. Um, but yeah, it's, it is one of my favorites this year. It's just so smart and so well made and so funny. Um, we saw this at the Adelaide Film Festival at one or two wines beforehand, which was <laughs> perfect. And I haven't laughed that much in the cinema for quite some time. It's just so well written. Woody Harrelson um, and the rest of the cast are fantastic. Um, yeah, really, really smart film. Yeah. there's the, the trailer alone is full of so many great breakup moments and Apparently, the best the best mass vomiting scene since uh, Stand by Me. Apparently, so <laughs> yeah, it's that is quite disgusting. That thing it's, it doesn't hold back. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's done such great work with Force Majeure and the Square. So I'm sure Triangle of Sadness. It looks like it takes it to a whole new level. Yeah. So, so that's all, folks. Just to recap, Primal Screen's top seven TV shows of 2022 are from seventh to first. Season two of Russian Doll, season ones of Andor, The Rehearsal, Yellow Jackets, The Bear, Severance, and at number one, the second season of The White Lotus. And Primal Screen's top ten films of 2022 are, from tenth to first, The Lost Daughter, Fire of Love, Crimes of the Future, 
decision to leave. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Licorice Pizza, The Stranger, You Won't Be Alone, Parallel Mothers, and number one, Triangle of Sadness. We did it. We got there. We managed to we managed to get it done by eight o'clock. I was a bit worried there for a moment, but we got there. So you have all been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Eloise Ross, Stuart Richards, both doctors, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson, another doctor. Tonight we counted down Primal Screen's collective top seven TV shows and top ten movies of twenty twenty two. You can listen back to the show within half an hour on Triple R on Demand. Or check out the songs we played on the Primal Screen page at rrr.org.au right now. You can also subscribe to the Primal Screen podcast via iTunes or wherever else you find your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 